Hey everybody, Bleeding, Claire and Cobalt, we are back. We'll talk about the 4 nothing second half debacle against St. Louis. We'll look ahead to a trip to Columbus. We'll talk international duty. We'll talk injury report. We'll talk emotional state of the team. Probably emotional state of the fan base as well. All that and more coming up next. Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt, Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hale with you. Brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant out of state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from One Wire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and One Wire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club. And they care about you. All right, Ryan, obviously a tough, very tough pill to swallow in sub-freezing temperatures at America First Field. Thank you again to the 19,508 fans that, that did show up and obviously witnessed the wrong kind of history. RSL giving up four goals at home in a half for the first time in 19 years. Uh, RSL losing back-to-back home games uh, to start a season for the first time ever. RSL losing three straight games for the first time since the COVID 2020 season. Um, a lot of very uh, infamous type of uh, milestones. And I guess all we can say is hopefully these are things that only happen once every 19 years. Um, I would say that uh, the contrast, and I don't, I'm curious as to how you felt watching that game, but the contrast between the first half and the second half was stark. And, you know, at halftime, when it was 0-0, I felt extremely optimistic. Now, I'm always optimistic about this club and its individuals and where we're going to go and what we're going to do. But I did feel like the first half against St. Louis was the best half of football, soccer that we had played all year. There was no goal payoff, and that was disappointing because it probably could have been 2 or 3-0. Obviously, the half ended with um, the St. Louis keeper making a great save on a on a Brian Vera chance. I think the team, I don't know if many fans felt this way, but I think the team felt like there should have been a penalty given on uh, Julio's uh, takedown in the box. I think Julio maybe ruined his chances by trying to protect himself and jump over the tackle. And that's probably why it didn't go to VAR is because I think the referees felt like there wasn't contact. Um, and there were other other chances in the half. Look, the guys were buzzing. I thought 
uh, it was as dynamic an attack as we had seen uh, this year. And, you know, obviously there was no Savarino. It was kind of a makeshift back line. It was cold. Clearly, Andrew Brody was making great runs, but um, he was probably one of eight or nine guys that the final touch, the final pass, the final shot just wasn't uh, what we're used to. And, um, you know, look, I think Andres Gomez and Anderson Julio were extraordinarily dynamic. That was that was vintage 2021 Anderson Julio to me. Um, Andres Gomez clearly in his second start, he's now been uh, – outside of Colombia for the first time now for uh, multiple weeks. And so he's getting more and more comfortable each match day. Um, you know, you had Miram over on the left wing. I thought that was his best game in a while uh, individually. Um, then, you know, Pablo Ruiz returns for the first time this season. And clearly he was very good at maintaining possession, at switching the point of the attack, which is his strength, and just kind of dictating the tempo of the match. Uh, Jasper Loffelson, Demir Krylock had several chances. Um, unfortunately, and we haven't even talked about Emeka Anelli yet either, um, who was kind of thrown into the fire, signed his MLS deal on Friday due to injuries to Bodie Hidalgo, Marcelo Silva, uh, Eric Holt. You know, there's just some um, necessity to uh, that had done, you know, those things caused a domino effect that caused that kind of new look back line and and look it's hard to say oh Brian Vera looked great or Emeka Anelli looked great in a game where they lose 4-0 but certainly in the first half I think I I think those guys demonstrated and displayed uh, quite a bit of promise so uh, will we see those guys again in St. Louis don't know yet uh, we'll see you know RSL Going into the St. Louis game, we talked about it last week, one of nine teams in MLS to lose four or more people. Certainly Gavin Beavers uh, was great in his USA U19 camp. Diego Luna was very, very good in his USA under-20 camp. Started two of the three games, missed a penalty kick, saw it saved, um, but I think played 75 minutes or so in the first game, 65 in the third game, uh, came off the bench in the second. Um, Rubio Rubin scored for Guatemala, um, a shot from outside the box. He was kind of standing at the six and and, and redirected uh, header uh, to score for Guatemala in their victory. And then uh, Brian Ojeda did not play for Paraguay, but hopefully he comes back into our training sessions kind of buzzing from that experience of being around Paraguay, who I think lost 3-2 on a stoppage time own goal by their goalkeeper um, in a, a crazy, and I believe that was a meaningless friendly as well. So certainly uh, Guatemala's game was meaningful. They were in uh, Nations League. And, um, you know, USA under 20 getting ready for uh, the Youth World Cup this summer, which just got moved out of Indonesia. Who knows where it will land? Maybe somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, maybe even the United States, um, whatever FIFA decides, but uh, could give us a chance to watch those Diego Luna under 20 games even more uh, closely than we would have been when they were uh, in the Far East. Um, so, look, I thought, you know, fans don't love to hear Pablo's post-game assessment when he's not ripping everyone and everything, right? Um, we're fans. We're frustrated. Nobody thought we would lose back-to-back -back home games. Uh, certainly nobody thought the season would probably start one in three. 
um, as Elliot has been quick to try to remind people, um, in 2010, which was arguably our best regular season ever, uh, we did start with one win, three losses, and one draw um, in a 34-game season, and you only lose another one other game that rest of that regular season. 2010 was the year where Sabo scored two in stoppage at Colorado on the final game of the season to get the Rocky Mountain Cup. Um, and, uh, then we go to Dallas, Javi gets a red card in the first leg and, uh, we lost, uh, I guess we drew the second leg at home, but lost the series. That team was kind of running on fumes by the time the playoff came. But look, I don't think anybody's under any impression that this team is going to go the rest of the regular season and only lose one game. It's possible. It's not probable. I don't think it was probable then. And that was, again, that was a team that only gave up, I think 20, five goals in an entire season. It might've been 20. Um, um, you know, you had Ramondo, Borchers, Olave, Beltran, Russell, Wingert, Morales, Johnson, Grabovoy, uh, Finley, Movsisian, uh, Sabarillo. Like, uh, I guess Movsisian actually wasn't there. Sabarillo replaced him that year. But anyway, that was, those were the glory days of RSL and they had a rough start. So as we heard from a Mecca post game, um, we're four games into at least a 36-game season, no, 37, because you've got 34 MLS games, at least one Open Cup game, at least two Leagues Cup games. That could grow to 54 if you make deep runs to the final in every tournament. Again, possible, not probable, but um, we'll see what happens. And so I, I completely understand everybody that cares about this club wanting – uh, a head on a spike and people are calling for Pablo's head. People are calling for Elliot's head. People are calling for players heads. Um, unfortunately, I guess not unfortunately, but while sports is a results oriented business, I don't know that this club has ever really been prone to impulsive moves. And I guess people probably want to debate if, a change in coaching, a change in front office, a change on the field, like what constitutes impulsive? Um, because, Ryan, as has been pointed out by media members and fans and others on Twitter, like this run kind of dates back to middle of last year. And I, I think... I think this team, the numbers are, this team has won six out of 26 games. This team has won only like two of the last 11 home games. And, and, and so that is uncharted territory. And so I, I think those are the kinds of things that maybe justify the thirst for change. Now, what will we see in Columbus? How many changes will we see to last week's lineup? Last week's lineup, Changed quite a bit from the from the week before. Um, I don't know what to expect from Columbus because, yes, everybody is talking about them dismantling Atlanta six one last week. But if you go back two weeks, Columbus lost five one. So that's MLS, man. That is MLS in a nutshell. And any team can be any other team on any given day. Columbus did get four of their six goals last week from guys that had never scored in this league before. I don't know off the top of my head how many of those guys had ever even played before. So, look, I think the 
the current like mini slide or whatever does provide opportunity for us to see players we haven't seen much of or see guys in new positions. Um, so that's what I'm curious about going into Columbus is how does the team turn the page? The last thing I'll say before I, w- I want to hear your thoughts on all of this is the emotional health of the RSL locker room to me appears to be very stable right now. And it started, look, there were emotions in the locker room Saturday night. There were emotions on the field. Guys were angry. Guys were pissed. Guys were embarrassed. Um, Guys really, really genuinely, authentically felt like they let the fans down. Uh, I think the whole club feels that. But um, it's interesting. Sean Walker was out here doing interviews on Saturday, Monday. Um, He just posted a piece, I think, on Thursday morning where he talked about, hey, what's the approach? And he asked several different guys, like, do you – Rewatch the tape and obsess over every moment? Or do you just flush it down the toilet and say, there's nothing we can learn from that second half? And honestly, like I was pretty surprised because everybody from Emeka on Saturday to Justin Miram, Jefferson Savarino, Pablo Mastroeni, and Demir Krylock on Monday said, No, I wanna I wanna learn from this. I wanna I wanna digest it. Now I think Savarino said quickly there's things to learn and then you got to move past it because you can't you can't carry that negative emotion, that disappointment, that embarrassment, that anger if you carry that with you into Columbus then then St. Louis beats you twice. I mean that's kind of the cliche and we we hear it in the NBA and baseball, football, hockey, whatever. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a fascinating insight into Savarino's take on that, and it was more or less echoed. I think Justin Miram, um, who's got a kind of extra special chip on his shoulder, maybe going back to Columbus where he played two stints, played, I think, a combined nine years in, in a crew uniform. Um, everybody seems around the club. Um, look, we haven't been to Columbus since since – 2018 I think it was June might have been September but it's, it was the 2018 season uh, so we've never been to this building and people that have watched US soccer games at lower.com field um, and and other MLS people that, that I've talked to they love this building they think it's one of the best venues in the league certainly St. Louis Austin Cincinnati are on that list uh, LAFC's building is on that list but I think everybody's excited to go see what what the, kind of the new era of the Columbus crew are with the new owners, the new downtown stadium, state-of-the-art stadium. Um, there's a vibrant kind of scene for fans, for nightlife, for other things um, in downtown Columbus. So, look, it's an opportunity on a number of levels to uh, to try to get back on track. And at the end of the day, Ryan, um, you know, guys talked about fighting for each other. Every team that's ever won something in this league um, has to fight through the mud. And uh, clearly we're in the mud right now. And um, look, I think we were one of only two playoff teams from a year ago not to have a three-game losing streak. Um, That doesn't matter, but that's just interesting perspective. That's MLS to me. And so, look, we've lost three of our first four games. The schedule doesn't appear to get much easier uh, depending what you think about 
uh, Charlotte or Dallas or San Jose in the coming weeks, um, as as has been well documented and as we've talked about, doesn't matter. Any day somebody can beat somebody, and uh, and Columbus is proof of that with just their last couple weeks. So uh, I'm excited to kind of turn the page from the difficult embarrassment, if you will, and uh, and go from there. My uh, my first takeaway from this one is going to be shout out to Dan Farns. Uh, yeah, green that. grass. It looked great. As someone who's not sure that my lawn will ever be green again after this winter, <laughs> what right. Dan, what Dan and the, the crew's done, has and been... he didn't even have to paint it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a uh, yeah. It was it was stressful. It was upsetting. Um, I did go back and start watching the game again, and was surprised at how good they looked in the first half. Mm-hmm. After my memory being almost exclusively the second half, the right. disaster of the second half, and uh, we talk a lot about how this team succeeds when they're cohesive and. I think I was seeing a lot of that cohesion in the first half, like a, in a way that like we, I think we talked about this before. This is a team. This is a different lineup than has ever has been out this entire year based on, you know, all of these missing pieces. But um, it looked like the things were going well. I don't know. That's just what's so wild about this. This uh, Well, let's just put it even on the St. Louis team and this team. That team is that team is uh, is. I don't even have the right words for that. I don't, most of what I know about St. Louis is what I've seen on the MLS wrap-up show on on Apple TV. But uh, that is a team that is uh, was built in a very very specific and, and obviously a a good way to, to to compete in this league. And what they're doing is pretty incredible. So unfortunate to see them do that in the almost meme where they like get that get their ball passed to them in the you know for a breakaway type of goal, which happens to them almost every week. Which yeah, is it's bizarre. been three out of five weeks for them where yeah. they've basically been gifted a goal. The first two weeks, they were down one nothing when they got kind of got that gifted uh, pass from the defense. Dunny had an interesting take on this, both on the air and in his interview with Spence Chackets. He Look, every, St. Louis deserves a ton of praise for how they've built this team. Um, clearly... As always happens with every expansion round, the team that is the new expansion team that builds has more money, more tools at their disposal from a MLS rules and regulation standpoint. And in St. Louis's case, they had the most time. They had, I think, three years because their their opening day kept getting delayed because of the COVID in 2020 and 2021 seasons. So they were able to get Joao Klaus. Um, the Brazilian playing at Hoffenheim, the uh, goalkeeper, uh, Berkey, um, and I don't remember where he was before he went to St. Louis, and uh, and there's a third big player. They were able to get those guys to come to St. Louis a year early, last summer, and they're playing for their second team in MLS Next Pro. So, like, literally no other expansion team in the history of MLS has had that opportunity to kind of build an identity, to build chemistry. I mean, if you go back to 2005 when Chivas and RSL were building, we had no money. You had an expansion draft where teams could protect their top like 12 players, which even today, 20 years later, would be um, really not chipping away at anybody's depth, right? Um and the depth now is much better than ever, than it was 18, 19 years ago. So anyway, you have to applaud, I think, St. Louis for taking advantage of 
of the new rules, the situation, the timing, and obviously they've they've built something very very special. And they're only what the th- second team in the history of Major League Soccer 28 years to to be 5 and 0 after 5 weeks. I think there was a 2012 Kansas City, I think that went 7 and 0. Um and look, I know things are bad here. I don't think they're Kansas City bad. I don't think they're Colorado bad. I know that doesn't always make us feel better, but as RSL fans, it probably does. Vermees just got a brand new like five-year contract, and people in Kansas City, they want him fired. And look, I don't know what's going to happen here. I I think Pablo is amazing because he is authentic, he is genuine, he is open. Um, but it's okay. Like People can critique his substitution pattern or his tactics or whatever like that's part of being a sports fan people can question how Elliot has built this roster but it's not just on Elliot like there's a lot of cooks in the in that kitchen and that collaboration is something that we always praise when things are going well it doesn't mean that it's worthless when things aren't going well so um I I hate to be this guy but basically time's gonna tell what what the real what the reality of the current situation is i know it seems dark i know it seems like we're down in the depths um but look you go to columbus you get a result sort of like we did at portland last year coming off the nycfc game and the horrible open cup loss things can start to look up a little bit you you go into columbus and you get a win which literally nobody is expecting um talk about shocking the mls world then then you come home and you've got an opportunity against a Charlotte team that hasn't been amazing but definitely has some some big time players and then if you're if you're 3 and 4 um sorry 3 and 3 then then you're going in the open cup and all these other tournaments looking like hey we're we're barely 10% into our season and it's all there to play for. There's still player moves that could be made this window. Uh, the next window opens July 5th. I know that there's plenty of guys being looked at as Elliot and Kurt and Pablo and everybody talks about. Like, It's just a matter of getting those things off the, over the line. And we're going to have another injury crisis. Uh, we know that guys are going to be gone for international duty at different parts of the year. And... And it's all about who takes advantage of the, of the opportunity. Clearly, Emeka Anelli took advantage of his opportunity. I think Brian Vera took advantage of his opportunity. I'd even say, or I liked the way Elijah looked, Elijah Paul looked. Yeah. So, and honestly, like, I kind of stopped paying attention to the game yeah. by the time I mean, he that's went the thing in. is like, it was tough. It was tough. They'd thrown into a, uh, in the fire there, but, um, but even then that's, you know, like silver linings podcast. Yeah. That's that. There were some good, there were some good moments. I think you could take some individuality, individual performances. I think you can also point to like, Oh, this is definitely what needs to be worked on. I think sometimes it's a mystery. What needs, you know, why isn't this clicking? Oh, we, we saw a lot of it. Um, you know, going back to the, 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 the giveaway goal, it's like, well, why did that happen? Why was Ruiz like abandoned there? I yeah. mean, obviously the team was pushing forward, trying to make up for the, so, the deficit. But, but I was just thinking just a couple of different things about like, just, I mean, we had sit, I mean, obviously this is a game that can be dissected forever because it's so many little things that needed to be different. Um, one, one last takeaway about St. Louis. I hope that we don't have to talk about St. Louis for a while, but uh, <laughs> what the, what 
St. Louis coming into this league and looking like this kind of tells me a little bit. Maybe this is a little bit of a litmus. Um, the types of players that are willing to come and play in MLS are different than the type of players that were willing to come and play in 2006. You know, that's, and I think this is this is pretty apparent. I guess we did start seeing this already, like when when Atlanta came in, when LA came in. These teams, these teams that come in and are able to build a solid. Um, expansion side like mm. that's not normal like when you know when a new NBA team comes in yeah. they're, they're I mean there's still there's still NBA teams that are still suffering from being the expansion team 10 years ago there's major league baseball teams that never be never ever get away from that expansion type of like mentality but I think in MLS I think what you're seeing right now is that you're seeing that this is a competition that demands like good quality players and maybe more so than it has in the past. I think that's not. I don't think that's any disparaging idea to think that this is getting as league is getting better. But I think what we saw, what we're seeing with teams like St. Louis and even like you know what's with LAFC and you know a lot of it says if you have a lot of money to dump on a on a, on a team, they're going to get uh, you're going to get some new players. But I think there's good players coming, which I do, I think it does speak to a team like like there's a lot of teams in MLS that are like RSL that are maybe for lack of a better term, legacy teams. I don't know if yeah. ours is RSL. I mean, we're beyond the expansion part of it. You know, right. teams that are built on a, a foundation that exists, you know, maybe like getting away from that and finding ways to be creative in those, you know, it's a different league now. It's a different league and uh, very much evidenced by St. Louis. And I think anybody who's seen that team play and has seen that team come in and, you know, make it very uncomfortable to watch your team play. Um, yeah, this is a different, this league is evolving. And I think that like, that's only, I mean, that only speaks but to like, what's the, what's the possibilities for ourselves? We talk all the time about, we need these players. How are we going to need a yeah. player to come to Salt Lake? The reality is there are players that want to come and play here. And we are going to find a player that will come and play at Salt Lake and perform at a level that like, I think we're going to see that. I don't think we're very far away from seeing the players that we've developed here becoming stars, yeah. the players that are on the field right now, rising to the occasion, and then also finding those pieces that fit in. And that's the thing is like, when we see this team cohesive and clicking, very tough to beat. Very tough. I mean, yeah. as good as any team in the league. But I think that like maybe those pieces, like it's frustrating to think that where are they? How do you get these people? But I think what St. Louis proves is that they're out there. So yeah. I think that that's what we're looking for. Hopefully we get to see that come to fruition here in Salt Lake because I do believe that, that Salt Lake is one of these teams that does have a chance to become, you know, a defining team in MLS. This is how you have to be. You have to be able to compete with ourselves to, to win. And I think that, that we need to step up to that again. Um, I do think that like, yeah, I wish, you know, I wish people that knew, knew it's, it's tough when you, when you, when you're around guys like Pablo, when you're around guys like Demir, when you're around guys, I'll even say it, Elliot, <laughs> you want these guys to succeed. You, you love, you, you, yeah. you feel their, you feel their energy and you want that. And I know that that's, that's maybe the diff, it's tough to say that about a, um, a sports team where it's results based and you already talked about this but i don't know i want these guys to succeed i want to make sure that we have the right people in the right places and i think that you know there's when you are around this team you do know that there's there's nobody out here who's mailing it in there's nobody out here who has a lack of um energy for or care for what's happening you know i think that if you're around this team you know that so um hopefully we see these things starting to fall into place and uh you know it is it is the first month of the season so hopefully we can see these things evolve here even even in the next couple of weeks um, good looking to looking ahead to Columbus. Like this is a different team. Like you're talking about the swing, the wild swing and their results, you know, um, what kind of things do you see? Like, what are the challenges that, that they're going to put to RSL this next week? Yeah, look, and I don't pretend to know much about Columbus. I haven't watched them play this year. I've not probably even watched them play last year. I do know that they were, you know, they did make the commitment to go buy that nine from Watford middle of last 
year. Uh, Cucho, he scored four goals in 81 minutes. Um, he's obviously dangerous. He'll be back this week. I think he was one of the guys gone on international duty uh, last weekend. Um, look, in MLS, every team fights like hell to defend their home field. There are no easy trips. Um, and this is, you know, obviously RSL has stumbled at home historically this year, has stumbled at home in a way that it, it hasn't ever, as we documented at the beginning of the podcast. However, I think, and you've heard me say this a million times, since Pablo took over for Freddie, RSL has been more competitive on the road than it was certainly the expansion years under John Ellinger, certainly Jason Christ, certainly Jeff Kassar, which inherited the best team in, a, in RSL history, and certainly um, ahead of Mike Pecky or, or Freddie. So um, there is there is something, and you know people make fun of Pablo for talking about mentality and all those intangibles, how you react to moments and all that stuff. I honestly kind of think his approach is refreshing because most coaches are control freaks. They act like they're the smartest guy in the room. They want to they want to dictate everything. They control everything. And Pablo's very honest about, hey, we do our work during the week. During the 90 minutes, there's not a lot a soccer coach can do. Yeah, you can make subs. You, you can pull the trigger on a few things. You can make various adjustments, but you, you don't have the opportunities that other sports provide to kind of dictate uh, lineup uh, advantages, to dictate – uh, tactics as much as you want. You have to put that work in Monday through through Friday. And um, I don't know. I, I'm obviously an unabashed Pablo fan. I was uh, before I came back full-time. Um, I do giggle, I guess, at the irony of Pablo coaching us and Robin Fraser coaching the Rapids and thinking back to some of the history of uh, specifically those two and the Rocky Mountain Cup. And, and you know, look, you spend enough time in a league, uh, with a team, in a sport. Uh, you see it in the NBA, too. I mean, there's there's plenty of coaches, plenty of players that just bounce around. And, you know, it's, it's who can catch lightning in a bottle? Who can build uh, a culture uh, that that breeds winning. And, and look, we are a development club. We are a club that is not that recently removed from pretty dark days. Now, we were able to have some success as effectively a league run team in 2021 with that Western Conference final run. Certainly Pablo deserves, I think, a lot of credit for that after, after Freddie you know, saw the writing on the wall. He wasn't going to get the full-time job. He took a four-year guaranteed, very, very well-paid assistant job at a conference rival. So I think publicly it looked very odd, but I think when you take into consideration all the details, it probably was the right decision for Freddie. Um, and look, this is really the first kind of maybe extended um, down period or difficult period that Pablo has experienced. But um you know, as we talked about, who knows what's going to happen this week, this month. Uh, there's a lot of potential for for things to start clicking. So li literally everybody in the building is looking in the mirror and trying to figure out, okay, how do we make this better? How do we make this half a percent better every day? And, you know, these are the kinds of things that we hear people talk about. One other thing, getting back to St. Louis, 
Dunny's theory, and he said this in a few different forums, including I think on the game on Saturday, St. Louis is one of two teams out of the 29 in MLS that play like with two forwards uh, next to each other. They didn't invent pressing. Red Bull didn't invent pressing. Like, But I think Pablo makes that blind pass. Other players make those blind passes across the back line because they're used to only having one guy pressing. And, and that certainly was the case. When RSL got off to its pretty hot start in March, April, May last year, certainly there were hiccups along the way. But Bobby Wood was the one leading our press. And the six wins in 26 games, that slide has come since Bobby Wood got hurt. Now, nobody appreciated Bobby Wood when he was here. I think he only scored four or five goals for us across two seasons. He was making $1.2 million a year. He doesn't have... Um, a meniscus in one of his knees. That's why he had to take a serious pay cut and he's gone to New England and he's scored a couple goals and everybody in this building wants the best for Bobby and his family and wants him to succeed. That's the hard part of sports, right? And and look, I don't know who the next guy from this current locker room that is out, either out of the lineup, out of the bench, out of the club. Um, unfortunately, that's that's the rough part of this business but we're happy for bobby wood we're happy for tate schmidt i look at montreal's box score to see what aaron herrera is doing he hasn't played much lately um montreal's in a completely different scenario than they were a year ago they're rebuilding and that's probably i don't know enough about their situation but that's probably affecting aaron's um day-to-day up there so anyway I believe that Dunny's theory, I mean, he obviously knows a lot more about soccer than probably anybody uh, in this city, um, except maybe, you know, a handful of people that are in this building. But if Dunny thinks that kind of that two-man press combined with the X-Dog or whatever that that's, that St. Louis has, like those are the things that have contributed to a lot of their success. Now, look, as, as St. Louis has kind of proven they're not a typical expansion team, it's going to be interesting to see, do more teams go to a two-forward system? Because the 4-2-3-1 has been so de rigueur over the last like five or six seasons in this league that it's grown to the point where 27 out of 29 teams are basically playing some nuanced version of that formation. You know, maybe, you know, the 4-4-2 dominated for a while, the 3-5-2 dominated for a while in different parts of the world. So uh, that's the kind of stuff that I think is fascinating to look at. There's eight months left in this season. You have Open Cup. You have Leagues Cup. You have Arsenal, who just sold out the All-Star game in mid-July. I think two-thirds of the regular season, Ryan, are going to be played before that All-Star game because then you've got a month to focus on Leagues Cup. Then you've got effectively a stretch run of 10, 12, 11, whatever, uh, games after Leagues Cup to the playoffs. Expanded playoffs, top nine go, top nine at least get into the play-in. And then uh, and then as we've seen time and time again from RSL and others, anything can happen once you kind of get into that that big dance. Um, and maybe there'll be some sort of March Madness type chaos in, uh, in MLS as there usually is in the Audi MLS Cup playoffs. So I don't know. Um, this has been very therapeutic for me to <laughs> sit here and talk to you about all this and, and kind of try to organize some thoughts. Hopefully it's beneficial to the listener. Um, obviously, we hope that we at least get a point in Columbus, if not three. And um, 
you know, look, it's always darkest, I guess, before the dawn is another cliche that I haven't used yet. So um, I think as long as everybody sticks together in that locker room, um, good things are going to happen and, and hopefully very, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, just uh, maybe also just to wrap it up too, I'm just looking at Columbus and their their results and they've had some struggle scoring goals. Last game, everybody played up top, scored a goal. Everybody played down the middle, scored a goal. We got mid center midfielders, center backs. Um, Christian Ramirez scores two goals in his first game back in MLS, mm. coming back from Scotland, I guess, is where he's been playing. Um, and uh, Christian Ramirez, a Ruby Rubin and Christian Ramirez back in Minnesota back in those USL days when that team was yeah the, the, uh, that was a differently built USL team, um, but looking at that kind of stuff based on what you were saying, like I think we're going to be able to see very very apparently whether these adjustments are being made. You know, with Pablo's squad, are we able to keep those those uh those attacks quiet? Because it's uh, it's coming from everywhere from Columbus. I mean, they've also had they've also had games where they've given up handfuls of goals themselves, but. Yeah, look, I mean, that was the question coming into the season, right? Is how is this team going to score? Yeah. You lose Wood, you lose Cordova. That's 15 goals right there. Um, you know, Rubio Rubin obviously had five goals in his first eight games with the club. He's trying to recapture that 2021 form. Demir had 16 goals in 2021. He's trying to recapture that form. Uh, Anderson Julio had eight goals in 2021. He's trying to recapture that form. Uh, Savarino only has one assist so far this year. But I guess part of the reason I was optimistic at halftime the other day is I just felt like we were creating those chances in a way in the first half that we hadn't been. Obviously, uh, you know, nobody wants the center back, Justin Glad, to be the golden boot leader after a month, although it was pointed out to me that uh, uh, the Wolves in EPL, Wolverhampton Wanderers, have gone nearly uh, to this point in the season. It was only a week ago that an attacker overtook a, a <laughs> defender as their leading scorer. So hopefully we don't get into the Wolves territory yeah. on our golden boot race. But um, look, at some point, and we've seen it a million times in this league, in this club, the dam will break. We'll see what happens. Maybe Savarino gets a hat trick. Maybe Gomez. Maybe Elijah Paul opens his account. Like, there's a million things that could happen, and that's that's why we love sports, and that's that's why we're fans, and that's why we follow so uh, ferociously. Yeah, we got a whole team of guys that are due for their <laughs> their goal streak to start. So, the cool thing with the Apple schedule is if you're not the Fox game, you know your game is going to be at 7:30 local. So 7:30 Eastern time in Columbus. That's 5:30 here in Utah on Apple TV. Also, you can catch David James, Jay Nolly on the local English language radio coverage on KSL Sports, KSL News Radio. Uh, their pregame with um, Spencer Warren, with Lauren, with uh, Jake Hatch and Tom Hackett. That will start at five o'clock, and they also have a half-hour postgame show that um, I think they try to carry some some player interviews live over the Zoom. Um, they may even open up phone lines, and the, they certainly do take tweets and texts. So if you want to interact post game uh, on the KSL radio side, please do. Um, the announcers, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the the play by play announcer in Columbus wrong. His name is Eric. Um, I want to say Krakauer, and then the color analyst is a guy named Lloyd Sam, who some fans may remember from his days playing for the New York Red Bulls. So um, excited to to see those guys uh, in Columbus, and uh, obviously it's a group that 
hasn't probably seen much of RSL in recent years due to our lack of national TV exposure. But, um, you know, they've done conference calls this week with the front office and the coaches and the players, and hopefully they are well prepared uh, for any eventuality on Saturday night. And, uh, you know, again, we'll see which RSL shows up. All right, catch us on the socials at Claret Cobalt on Twitter and Instagram. It's my fault that we're not more active on Instagram, so I'll do a little mea culpa there. Uh, you can find us anchor.fm, Claret, and Cobalt. Just click the message button, let us know what you think. Or, as always, you can use uh, email rsltrey, rsltrey at gmail.com. Ryan, myself, the whole crew. Uh, cares vehemently about what you have to say, what you want to hear, what you want to see. And uh, we'll be back next week between the Columbus and Charlotte games, hopefully with a very special guest to talk about uh, the big picture and maybe even the the small picture issues that are happening uh, in and around the RSL club. Obviously, first team is our focus. The Monarch season just kicked off in MLS Next Pro. The Academy kids are off at GA Cup. Um, And honestly, because of the first team injury crisis, the Academy, the Monarchs kind of get squeezed. They've got a lot of new faces, new names, new bodies in and around for Hamas and Olave and his staff. So uh, we'll get into some of that and more as we get the 2023 seasons in MLS, MLS Next Pro, uh, MLS Next, which is what the Academy system is now called. Certainly the Royals, as everybody knows, are coming back. Um, There'll be a coach, a GM. uh, We know the president. There'll be other uh, people coming on board and obviously a lot of Royal scouting happening at the Women's World Cup this summer. So uh, a million things to talk about as we get into this week by week through the rest of the year. Ryan, we appreciate you all being along for the ride. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt brought to you by One Wire Fiber. We do appreciate the Adam Sessions and everybody over there that makes this all possible. Have a good week, everybody. Enjoy the game Saturday night. We'll talk soon.